Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the True North CFL podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Leach. You can follow me on Twitter at aka Jimmy Leach. That's all one word. I'm Taylor Curry, and you can follow me at Taylor Curry SK on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm Carter Kennington. You can follow me on Instagram at Carter Kennington. And don't forget to follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Spotify. SoundCloud. Uh, if you search True North CFL Podcast, you'll find us, but our Twitter is True North CFL Pod, and our Instagram is True North CFL Podcast, so go give us a follow and uh, let us know what you think. Awesome. Now, this is our first playoff edition of the show, actually, so we'll get right into this. We'll look at the Eastern Semi, Edmonton versus Montreal, where... Well, I gotta find the score here. It's not on my computer. Thirty-seven twenty-nine. Thank you. In favor of Edmonton. So, with Trevor Harris having such a dominant game, do you really think a light comes on for him in the playoffs, or was this just because it was a bad secondary? Well, I think uh, it happened to do with like he was playing a bad defense. Sorry, but. Uh, I also think that he chokes when it really, really matters in the playoffs. Like, this week is going to be his biggest test of the year, arguably. And, uh, I mean, you saw him in Ottawa. He lost the Great Cup when he started. So, uh, I, I'm not putting my eggs in his basket. I think he's got a tough test against Hamilton. Um, I like what you're saying there against uh, against Hamilton with that. But, I mean, you know, you look at these stats, and how can you really argue against him for how he did this week, you know? Three incompletions. He attempted nearly 40 passes, and only three of them didn't end up in the hands of his receivers. That's nuts. I mean, it's a shame that one of them was an interception, but, like, you know, that's crazy. 421 yards with a touchdown, over 10 yards per average pass. Like, that's crazy to me. He had over 20-something odd completions in a row, which is just insane. So, yeah, he's had some strong playoff games before, so... I'm not ready to call him a baller because, yeah, he has choked some games away in the Grey Cup, but I think, you know, in the semis and finals, I think you could say he's a baller. Yeah, yeah, I would say that. So, speaking of, you know, Trevor Harris's good game here, uh, it's Montreal secondary was invisible for most of this game. So, how can they fix these issues in the future? Well, I mean, not giving up over 100 yards to two receivers is a big help, but uh, they just got to tighten it up. Uh, They're not playing good defense, and I know it's not Kahari's guy that they brought in. We talked about that before we went on. Um, So I don't think he'll last. That was their biggest hole this year, and I mean, that's what hurt them in the end. So uh, I just, they have to play better, and I think they need a a new coordinator. Uh, Yeah, I mean, looking at some of these. Like, I'm looking at the stats right now currently, and some of these tackling stats, like, some players just weren't having a crazy enough, like, a good enough impact for me. Like, um, like DJ Lalama, I'm going to put him on blast for a quick second. Um, I mean, he he had a lot of hype when he was coming back to Winnipeg because he was, you know, born here and everything. Uh, Decides to go back to Montreal, fair enough, made playoffs. Um, He had, if I look at this, the same amount of tackles on defense as Vernon Adams. Oof. <laughs> I mean, tackles aren't everything on defense, though, right? That's true, but it's like, come on. 
you know, <laughs> like just looking at it from a stats point of view, there were some players that sort of like, you know, you kind of expect these guys to just make, you know, a couple of more plays. And I mean, you know, yeah, it, it is, you know, football. Sometimes you don't get a ton of action on your side of the field, but uh, I just don't know. That doesn't fit well with me, you know? Yeah. Now, I think, well, you can't really blame the offense much for this one. I know people are going to look at all the interceptions Vernon Adams threw and kind of point some blame at him a little, but that was kind of later in the game when everything was pretty much kind of said and done. But unfortunately, or I guess if Boris Beattie had made another extra point, Montreal's offense would have put up 30 points. So, and... Generally, if your your offense puts up 30 points, usually you're winning that game, but because the Montreal defense is so bad, they just they let Trevor Harris walk right over him. It was brutal. And you look at the team on paper, right? They have Tommy Campbell, Siante Evans in that secondary. Those are two dominant corners. Those are yeah. not, you know, scrap heap guys like second or third hand players, those are all star caliber performers. So you look at that roster, the roster's really good. So I think most of the problem has to do with the fact, again, that they're the least aggressive defense in the league. They bless twenty four percent of the time, which is the lowest in the CFL, and then the I think they have the fewest sacks and the second lowest rate of quarterback pressures. So they also have to work on kind of getting more pressure up front, I think, has been their issue. Because John Bowman, he's been there forever. He's still good enough to play, but I don't think he can be your main guy anymore. I think you need to go out and find a number one defensive end and bring in a new coach. Yeah. Yeah, they need more pieces on that defensive line for sure. Because, I mean, he he is a great player, but he's getting up there in age, and you're going to need other players to step up too. And no one really did that this year. Oh, yeah, for sure. They need to go and recruit somebody or maybe snag somebody in free agency, I think might be another way of doing it. But yeah, I think even if you had a slightly more aggressive coordinator in there, I think that defense would look a lot better. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Now, since Montreal's season is over, I'm going to do this for most of the teams to get eliminated. What bright spots does Montreal have going into next year? Uh, I think they they have a lot of bright spots going into next year. Uh, just their offense alone. I mean, their defense needs some improvement. They have a lot of good pieces. They just need to add a couple more. But when you look at their offense, you know, you have uh, one receiver that had 1,100 yards and two that were a couple hundred yards away. But, you know, all their guys are getting touchdowns. They have a good run game with Johnson and Standback. And their O-line didn't play the worst this year. So... I think that they have a lot to look forward to offensively is the key, and they need to fill a lot of holes on defense. So I just hope that they can do that and stay competitive because they had 21,000 fans at the game uh, on Sunday. So that's pretty good for Montreal. So it, it's working, but they just they need to fix a couple things before they take the next step. Yeah, at this point, it's just like, you know, subtle tweaks on defense. You don't need, like, you don't need to go out and do a full revamp like, you know, some of the teams in the league do. Um, I think one of the bigger things is that Vernon Adams wants to be in Montreal. You can tell by the way that he is like, like I saw a clip of him. He was like crying. He was so emotionally invested in that playoff game. He just wanted that team to succeed. 
And so I think that's a really good thing to have in a quarterback of that caliber, despite what this game says. You know, we all know, dude's a monster. He's amazing. So Absolutely. Yeah, yeah having, having him wanting to be a part of your organization, that's huge. Yeah, I'll and lo- then, yeah. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, sorry. Oh, I was just, just going to say, and to continue on, yeah, stand back if you can keep him. That's huge as well because he had a pretty solid year. And yeah, like uh, like Taylor said, the uh, the O line played pretty solid as well. So yeah, no doubt. I certainly am a huge fan of Standback and Vernon Adams. I think Vernon Adams is, despite the fact they lost this game, I think he's a winner. And he and Kahari have done wonders for the culture in Montreal. And before this season, we were talking about the three biggest markets in the league: Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal, kind of dying off fans but thankfully this year that's changed in Montreal because the team's starting to win and people are starting to care about them now they're kind of in a battle with uh, the Montreal Impact for like the second team in Quebec right or not Quebec but city so I think this year has done wonders for that team and yeah there's a lot of great pieces on that offense they have a rich receiver talent and Again, their quarterback and running back are great. I just think they need to tune up a couple things on defense, and then they'll probably be contender again next year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So on to the Western semifinal game. Winnipeg defeated Calgary at McMahon Stadium. 35-14. to You can tell Carter's very happy right now. Let's go! <laughs> so, Let's go! I thought we weren't going to do it for a second. <laughs> oh, sure, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, Bombers won a playoff game. You can celebrate. I know it doesn't happen very often, so. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it doesn't. Hey, back-to-back years. It's true. Back-to-back yeah. years. Yeah, all right. So did Bo choke the game away, or was it an overall kind of team failure by Calgary? Well, I think it's a bit of both. I mean, in the third and fourth quarter, they scored no points, and they let up 27 in the second half. So I think both sides of the ball to, are for, are to blame for that one. And, I mean, Bo didn't help by throwing three interceptions, and he threw for under 50%, which is not like Bo, so, and 116 yards. So, yeah, I, I definitely think it was a combination of both, though. Yeah, especially with the defense giving up. Uh, yeah, the defense, I'm going to start out by saying the defense didn't help. But Bo Levi Mitchell had the worst game of his professional career. Yep. He threw Ooh. for zero yards in the third quarter. I thought it was one yard. I mean, that's close almost enough. worse. <laughs> okay, that's close enough. Worse. <laughs> that's, that's almost worse because you get the ball to someone. But great, you got a whole one. Yep. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's... It's tough because, like, I, I just I think he was off his game, and then I don't like you know I think he was off his game. The Bombers immediately capitalized on it, and then I think Bolivar I couldn't get out of that mental block. And he just kept trying to force something to happen to try and like force himself out of that situation, and then yeah, it just wasn't working out. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it was uh, who who gave up that that throw to Darvin Adams. The close hit Darvin was, Adams on. Um, who, are you talking about the guy that was behind who tried to play? The, the guy ball? that was covering Darvin Adams. Trey Roberson. Yeah. So, 
I'm pretty sure Trey Roberson is not bullied by Mitchell, and if you were watching that game, that pass flipped the entire game. Like, it oh, was a absolutely. shootout until then, and it was anybody's game, and then that happened. And from that point on, Winnipeg was in the driver's seat, so I can't pin it squarely on Bo. Did Bo have a bad game? Yes. I think part of that, that is still he's not 100% after that injury. He's still yeah, but he's yeah. playing anyway. But talk talk about a silencer though. Imagine that you know tie game. You're pretty much yeah. You're like a little bit ahead at that point, or it was it was close. I'm not 100. percent It was that exact point. But then 71 yard dot on second and 12. Nonetheless, that's a really good situation on you know, 12 and uh, second and 12 on you know the favorable side of the ball for uh, for the defense. And then they just let that happen. That's nuts, especially from Calgary. The Zach attack yeah. worked on that one, man. Yeah. Now, can Strubler and Kolaros be a legit QB duo going into next year if both of them are signed? Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting, um, especially with Nichols there too, like if they want to bring him back or what they're going to do. And I mean, Toronto talked pretty highly of Kolaros that they were going to have no problem getting him back in the offseason, so... I think there's going to be a lot of unanswered questions until we get there. But, I I mean, they made a pretty good duo. Like, Strivler didn't pass that game, the last game, but uh, they won, and he played well. I mean, he had 82 rushing yards, so better than Andrew Harris on uh, one less carry. So, I mean, he, he, he played well at quarterback running back. Yeah, uh, yeah so I, I think it's interesting, and they could potentially do well, but we'll have to wait uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm really excited. It's almost as if it's not really a QB duo anymore, you know? No and doubt. I was, I was talking with some people, and uh, I was having people telling me, like, you know, imagine this situation, right? They line up with, uh, they line up with three backs behind Caleros. You have Dembski, you have Harris, and then you have Strebler. How do you set up against that? Because, like, what? you have no idea what they're going to do. Like... Is it a dump-off pass? Are they going to try and actually send Darvin Adams up on a streak play? Like, is it going to be a handoff to Strebler who's then going to throw the ball? Is Dembski going to throw the ball? We don't even know if he can or not. Like, and Mike O'Shea is willing to pull the trigger on that. He's had Darvin Adams toss a couple up. Well, that's because he was a high school quarterback, though. That's, oh, fair enough. But yeah, it's like, but you know, that there's always that thing where it's like, Mike O'Shea is definitely okay with giving some of his positional players the ball to bob it up there. No doubt. So, so, I mean, it's it's like almost like I, I really like the duo. It's hard for me to say because like you guys know my like I really like Matt Nichols as a quarterback. So but with the way that Calaris has come in and just worked with the system so flawlessly, it's really hard for me to make a decision right now on that. Um, yeah, I, I think if they decide to go with Caleros and uh, Strebley, though, it could it could definitely work. I've always been very critical of two quarterback offenses. I've seen it used by a lot of teams, and 90% of the time, it does not work. Like, uh, in Sask last year and the year before, they tried to do it with David Watford and, and Cameron Marshall and a couple other guys. They tried to kind of have that two-quarterback system where it was just, you know, they'd be in the middle of a drive, and then suddenly random quarterback number four comes in and <laughs> the ball, big shocker. Yeah, but it this is the rare case where it's really effective here, and the two quarterbacks are very different because 
if Zach steps outside the pocket, his career is over. But Strebler has a worse arm than Darvin Adams. So, yeah, I think it. I think it works. I, I like it. You know, I lo- I like how they're running both of those guys, the way they're yeah, using and, them. And yeah, just one thing I wanted to quickly say about a uh, Strebler and like his little way to uh, play for the game. Um, he took, I want to say, somewhere around 23-ish snaps. Yeah, and I think you alluded to this, but yeah. 23 snaps, attempted zero passes. Not zero completions, literally no attempted passes. A lot- When's the last... Is that like a first? Where a quarterback has gone on and literally tried to throw the ball zero times? You know, I, I thought about that, and like I can't remember anyone but one. And he might have thrown a pass, but... Uh, it was one of the last games of the year two years ago. Vernon Adams was in Saskatchewan, and he handed it off to Trent Richardson all game. He might have thrown one, maybe two, but as far as no passes, I think Strebler might be one of the only guys. Yeah, like that's that's such like it's just a weird stat, but I mean, yeah, it's cool that it comes in a win as well. Yeah, I'm sure if you went back enough in the catalog, you could probably find a third stringer who got like a bunch of thirded ones. But, yeah. yeah, I guess so. But yeah, yeah in terms well, of like, what Strabler did, that's not a common yeah. thing that you see for sure. And yeah. no, yeah, I I don't know. Like I I think it works the wildcat of the two quarterback offense that they're running right now in Winnipeg, and I think yeah. they should stick with it if they want to win games. Now, oh. this is another question a lot of people were asking at that game: Was Kamar Jor- Jordan actually ready to play? You know, I think he was, but I don't think any of the Stampeders were ready to play. Like, you know, they're big playmakers as of late. Richardson, Danny, Fergie Mayala, uh, Reggie Bagleton. They didn't show up. They caught, like, two passes each, and Danny didn't catch any. Like, Bagleton only had 24 yards on two catches. I think he had both their touchdowns, didn't he, though? He had Uh, one touchdown. Yeah. I thought he ran for one and he caught another Oh, he did run. Oh, the yes, other he one did. Yep, so yep. I mean, it's he did, but still, you think of his last couple of weeks, and he's getting over like 130 yards a game. And I think the last game or the couple of games ago, he had three touchdowns. So like, their big playmakers weren't there. And when you don't have a run game to begin with, and then your your passing game's lacking, there's no chance you're going to win. Oh yeah, for sure. I know we talked about. Last week, well, Calgary's, you know, lack of a run game, but the death of them. And we also talked about Montreal's secondary. Is that going to cause problems for them? And I think we're right about both of those things. They both kind of came and took both of those teams out. I'm just surprised that the wheels fell off in the way that they did for Calgary. Like, you you don't see it. It was a solid start, you know, 14 to 5 and then 30 unanswered points. Yeah, well, yeah, like you can't win like that at all. Yeah, well, especially if you're offensive one-dimensional and Bo wasn't necessarily having his best game. Yeah, like you can't run the ball. You can't, you know, pound it to Don Jackson because Don Jackson gets like three yards per carry, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just... Kamar Jordan, back on topic there, I think he was like... He's probably 70% or something. He was not like fully healthy Kamar Jordan, the guy who tore up the league when he was healthy. You know, he's not that guy. 
Oh, yeah, no. So, I would well, say yeah. he was and healthy it... enough to play, but he wasn't 100%. Yeah, and I mean, in well, that situation... Oh, sorry, I'm just going to quickly... No, go ahead. Um, I mean, when you're in that situation, it's playoffs. If uh, I saw it like, when I was reading up on one of the Bombers things, it was like, I think either Jefferson or Big Hill said it was like, at the end of the day, when it's playoffs, if you can be out there, you are out there. So I respect the decision, but yeah, I don't think he was at 100. Yeah, and I mean, you look at, like, he's coming off a pretty serious injury, and it's his first game, so they're not going to throw to him 14 times. So, mm-hmm. you, I mean, Jordan Williams-Lambert wasn't hurt when he came back to Saskatchewan, but, you know, like, they barely used him after some time off from the CFL. So I think that's just pretty common in the CFL, too, to not get many yards, but I don't think he was 100% healthy. Well, I would argue there's a major difference there between Jordan Williams-Lambert and Kamar, because Kamar was playing... Oh, definitely. Kamar was playing the inside slot, whereas Jordan Williams-Lambert was playing the field wide receiver, which sees about three targets a game, whereas typically your inside wide receivers see around 10 ish you know like those are your go-to receivers so yeah and they only got him five targets that game so yeah that was not good but yeah i don't think he was fully healthy so no so on to our cfl fantasy segment this week again it's very difficult to find value picks right now just because of how everything is priced so we only have one. It's Rashid Bailey. He's twenty five hundred. He's playing in the inside slot spot for the Bombers, so he should be getting some targets. Anybody else you guys would look at taking right now? Um, got some risky ones. Uh, Jalen Marshall out of Hamilton. I mean, they've used him the past couple weeks, but he hasn't done anything else all season. Uh, and then Janarian Grant with Winnipeg. Like, he doesn't play that much offense, obviously, but the returns, and Saskatchewan doesn't have the best return defense, so either either of those guys, maybe, and they're both at 2,500. I mean, for me, just sort of following up on the Janarian Grant thing, um, personally, like, yeah, if it's the same price as Bailey, personally, I'd go Bailey, just because, you know, it's wide receiver versus a kick returner. Um, but I do understand where you're coming from with the uh, kick return, like, de- with the return defense. I do like how you brought that up as well. But personally, I'd still go Bailey. But yeah, besides those three, I I don't know. I think that's pretty much everyone. Yeah, I believe so too. So we're going into best positional options. I have Trevor Harris and who's $10,345. And Dane Evans, who's $9,172 at quarterback. Anybody else you guys would look at this week? Would you... I interest you in a Zach Kalaros or uh, maybe Cody Fajardo? Mm. Yeah, I don't think so. Zach Kalaros is going to feel the pressure on Sunday. I don't think he'll perform well. And with uh, Cody Fajardo possibly being more hurt than they're kind of letting on, uh, I, I I think they're risky for fantasy. So, like, I'm sticking with Dane Evans myself. And Trevor Harris, I mean, he gets yards no matter what. So, they're good picks. I mean, yeah, it's like, I mean, I'm for Caleros, it's like, you know, you know they're going in with the dual QB. You know they are. So it's like, you're only getting half a QB at that slot. Like, what's his price point this week? Do you know? Uh, For who, sorry? Uh, Caleros? Uh, 5,500. 55? That's not awful yep. if you're trying to really splurge elsewhere. But then again, you got to remember, it's a dual threat QB. You're only getting 
you're only getting half of the game with him if you're well, splitting it evenly. Probably a little more, actually. You're probably getting a little... Yeah, he's the passing worse. guy, but at the same time... Yeah, I'd time... say you get two-thirds with Caleros, so, like, that wouldn't be crazy if you wanted to put money elsewhere, but... Yeah, besides that, yeah, Harris and Evans are really where you should be looking. But then, do you pick Chris Strebler at 5,800 for the rushing yards? Like, I mean, he's not going to get passing touchdowns, but you never know about a rushing touchdown. Uh, no, I'd rather I'd rather go Caleros over Strebler. Yeah. yeah. It's for fantasy. Definitely yeah. a safer pick. Uh, Caleros is a lower floor, or a higher floor than Strebler, because, you know, Calgary, it looks like they didn't really prepare much for Strebler, but... I can guarantee you Saskatchewan with two weeks of prep has looked at Strebler and now that they know how they're using him probably is a pretty decent idea on how to contain him. And yeah, with Zach being, I think he threw a couple picks that were dropped by Winnipeg. So I don't, I think the Saskatchewan defense might capitalize more on that. So I would definitely avoid Kolaros and yeah, Taylor, you kind of changed your mind on Cody there because last week you were saying he wasn't hurt and the Riders were kind of just covering that up. But what kind of made you change your mind on that? Well, I'm just not playing it risky in fantasy. I still don't think he's kind of hurt as they're letting on. I think they're really giving him like his body as much time as they can to rest. I think he has other injuries, but not what they're talking about because there's people coming out now saying it's like five weeks to recover or three months. So, yeah, I mean, who knows? Like it, it's, it's pretty risky. And I mean, you're not going to risk like your back muscles for a couple games of football. I know it's playoffs and great cup and you want to be there, but you have to think long-term. So I really don't think he's that hurt, but yeah, I just, it's a risky fantasy. pick For sure. I was uh, listening to Piffle's podcast and they were talking about how, the injury they said that Cody has, it usually takes several months to recover from. So it I think he's hurt. Like I'm not I don't I don't think they're lying that he's hurt, but at the same time I don't think maybe that that's the exact injury, or if it was, it wasn't it was a more minor one, it's not gonna be one that's gonna take three months for him to recover or he really yeah. wouldn't be playing in this game. I mean I mean, yeah, I know this is sort of contradictory to what I said before about um uh, Kamar Jordan, or but um, if um, if Bajardo isn't like at a hundred percent, like asking you guys as Ryder fans, would you rather him not play in the Western Final if he's not a hundred percent? Uh, it depends what percentage he is, because at a certain point, at a certain percentage point, Harker is going to be the better option. Mm-hmm. I I. I don't want to say they're screwed if Harker starts because I don't believe that. I actually really like Harker, but I think they neither need to, do I. I think they need to use him better if they're gonna have a chance. Like the way they used him in the last game, it was automatically once they get within like ten yards or within the red zone, they'd put Brian Bennett in, and drives just died then and there. So I think if you just let Harker run the team by himself without Bennett, I think. I think it's still going to be a good game, but I'm not delusional either. I think it's definitely a step down from Fajardo, but I think if Fajardo is at least 70 to 80%, I would let him go out there. Okay. No, that's fair. I just, I just wanted your opinion. Yeah, fair enough. How about you, Taylor? 
Yeah, no, I'm on the same boat that you are. Like, I, I wouldn't risk it if he's severely hurt and the Riders' chances go down severely if Parker's playing. I like him, but, yeah, he's not Cody. So I just think it, it would be tough to win. But he's, he like, Cody's going to play um, despite kind of the reports that are coming out. But, yeah, I just, your chances definitely go down if he's not. I'm pretty sure Or if he gets too. injured. Yep. Yeah. And... So now we move on to our running backs. We have Andrew Anabolic Harris at $8,651. We have CJ Gable at $7,865. And William Powell at $7,069. Would you guys take someone off there, or would you risk taking a Hamilton running back? No, I don't don't think it's worth it to take a Hamilton running back. They just... The way that they run, like literally anyone on that team could be the running back. So it's safer to take a receiver there. But I got William Powell in my lineup. Winnipeg does have a good run defense, but they're in Saskatchewan. They're at home. So I think that'll play a big advantage to them and uh, he'll do pretty well. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't trust Hamilton running backs. It's like, I feel like, every, like, yeah, like you said, anybody could really be a running back there. So it's like, they might get their rushing yards as a team, but you know, you're looking for standout performances from one guy and <laughs> yeah. that's not going to happen. Um, yeah. For me, I have Harris in the lineup. I think that, um, well, actually I'll explain it further because spoiler alert, he is my lock. So I'll explain that once we get there, but just, right. I'll say I have him in my lineup. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I think unless I got a, a I don't know, somehow I, got into the Hamilton locker room or personnel office and it was a guarantee that player X would be the running back for the entire game. You know, I would, mm-hmm, I would pick mm-hmm. that guy and it's probably either going to be one of Cameron Marshall or Terrell Sutton this game. So if you, th- if you're confident or you're feeling like you want to take a risk with one of your picks, Pick whoever's starting on the depth chart. I personally am not. I'm also picking Trevor Harris this week, but some um, people and, like and to Andrew live Harris. life dangerously. Oh, yeah, or Andrew Harris. Sorry. I always mix <laughs> those two up. So Trevor thank you. Trevor Harris, best running back in the league. Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> so, yeah. With Andrew, yeah, I also have Andrew Harris, as I was saying. But, yeah, I just, I don't know. It's too risky for me. But if someone's looking for a contrarian pick this week, uh, yeah, by all means, take whoever the starter on that depth chart is, but just know you're taking a huge risk there. Uh-huh. Now, moving on to our wide receivers. We have Braylon Addison at $9,720. We have Shaq Evans at $6,809. Luke Tasker at $6,723. Damon Roosevelt at $5,625 and Jalen Acklin at $3,953. Anyone you would add there? Uh, I don't think I'd really add anybody. Like my lineup, I have Braylon Addison. And with the money I had left, I picked Manny Arsenault. So that's a risky pick there. He's guaranteed maybe a catch a game and, Maybe a touchdown if you're lucky, but it's pretty risky. I just, yeah, I had to fit him in. So, uh, no, I I think Braylon Addison is going to have a really good game against Edmonton's defense. I think that's a really good pick. 
and uh, Shaq Evans too against Winnipeg's defense, no matter who he's lined up against. Uh, I think Shaq's one of the best receivers in the league, so I think he'll have a pretty good game, depending on who's quarterbacking. Um, I mean, I'm looking at it, and I mean, yes, this does show some, like, you know, some bias, but with Caleros being in now, we have an actual quarterback who swing the ball for the first time in a few weeks. Uh, what's uh, Darvin Adams, what's his uh, cost? Oh. Darvin Adams, let me check real quick. Adams. He's 6469. Yep, 6469, that's right. Um, okay, then I'm going to retract it because at that price, probably not. If he was a little cheaper, like 5K, then I would say probably Adams. But just because, like, you know, he's probably going to get a couple more, you know, he will get a couple more targets than if it was Trevor playing the game. And, I mean, you know, he can burn a guy. and He can get one of those explosive plays, and then all of a sudden he's dropping, like, 18 points. But, I mean, yeah, yeah I've, got, I've got Aquin because I'm trying to spend money elsewhere. So, I think he's a really good pick for fairly cheap. I have one of yeah. the guys in there. I have Shaq Evans, but I also have uh, DeVaris Daniels. Now, just because of the way the Edmonton receivers are, I'm not recommending him as... A surefire pick because I'm not sure who I'm putting in that spot, but he's also in my lineup for now. And again, if you're feeling a little risky like the Hamilton running backs, consider taking an Edmonton receiver. Now, for the team defense people, I, 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 my defensive pick was terrible last week. I apologize. That's the first time I've ever picked a <laughs> negative defense before, or that I've recommended one. I've picked one. Once this year, but yeah, we're going to go with the Saskatchewan defense this week because I'm looking at that Edmonton and Hamilton matchup. I think that's going to be a shootout with those two quarterbacks, but with, you know, Zach Kalaros being Winnipeg's QB and nearly throwing a few interceptions in that Calgary game. I think the Saskatchewan D could really have a, a good time catching interceptions, and I think they'll get a bit more pressure on the quarterback, so they're probably going to get a couple more sacks. So I figure they're a decent defense if you're looking for one. Any other defenses you guys would pick? Uh, maybe, and it's risky, it would be Hamilton's. Um, like you said, I think it'll be a shootout like the last time they played score ended up being 42-12 for Hamilton, but it was Logan Kilgore playing quarterback, and he still threw 230 yards. He did have three picks, so uh, like they have a good defense, and it, I really think it's up to Trevor Harris on uh, like how they do. So ha- Hamilton is a risky pick, but if you're picking one, fit Saskatchewan in your lineup. Yeah, I mean, I'd really like to make an argument against it, but I mean, just, you know, it's solid points. I can't, I just got to hope that, you know, it doesn't actually happen that way. Um, <laughs> I think, well, I mean, I'm, I'm being honest. I'm trying oh, not yeah. to, you know, let it show. So I think, yeah, if you're trying to fit a defense in, I mean, I've, I'm going to stick true. I've never picked a defense so far. And I, I think I'm going to ride out the entire uh, season and postseason without doing it. But I mean, I might throw in the SAS defense to, def- depending on if I have that cash and if I can sort of rework things while still being happy with everything else. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's really hard this week to kind of determine who to pick for 
defenses now. So. Oh, yeah, because it's like yeah. you, you could make a case for all four. I don't think you can yeah, make a case could, for really. that uh, Eastern game. Like I said, I think just that's the two fair, quarterbacks, that's, that's going to be like, exploding offense. That's true. That's true. But it's like, yeah, with Winnipeg, it's like, you know, they kept Calgary at home to 14. Yeah, exactly. That's it's like, true. There's always that chance. Yeah, you could argue, you could definitely argue either defense in the West, but. Mm-hmm. Well, that, and I mean, that could too. be just a very, very, like, low scoring defensive battle. I think honestly, it will be. Yep. That could be interesting. Yeah, because, I mean, you look at the last times they played, like, the Riders won by a a field goal, and then they got destroyed, and then they won by, I think, a last-second touchdown. So they've been fairly close games in Regina, so the defenses could step up pretty big. Oh, yeah. Again, the the Riders are 2-0 facing the Bombers at Mosaic Stadium, so it'll definitely be interesting. I don't know if Winnipeg comes out on top of this one, but I can definitely say it's a close battle. Yeah. Now, on to our locks for this week. I have Dane Evans. The only, Like I said, the only two quarterbacks I could really justify are him or Trevor Harris. And the only reason I'm locking in Dane Evans is just because he gives me more roster flexibility than Harris does. So, yeah, I, I think he puts up a lot of yards and a couple touchdowns. Oh, that's good. Um, I have Braylon Addison for my pick. Um, he's only three times this year got under 10 points. So I think he's a safe lock. He's one of their, he, he's probably their number two target behind Banks. Banks is always too expensive. So uh, Addison is a great pick, I think. And he's going to, he's going to get his money's worth this week. And like I said before earlier, I'm going with Andrew Harris. Uh, he is at 86.51. My reasoning for this is because I'm expecting I'm expecting the Saskatchewan defense not necessarily to tunnel vision, but to really zone in on stopping Strevler with the ball, that they might be a little bit, you know, they might let some things start to slip through the cracks with Harris. I'm not saying that he's going to have a ridiculous game, but I just think that he'll be doing, I think he'll do better than most people think that he will because they'll be too focused on everything else that could be happening. That's certainly a possibility. Yeah, I like that pick, too. He's also in my lineup. So, on to our new segment this week. There's a lot of it. So, the Eskimos signed former number one overall pick, Josiah St. John. The Argos have re-signed Tyler Grapinia. The Lions have extended Canadian receiver Lamar Durant. Saskatchewan Rough Riders have added American quarterback Justice Hansen to their practice roster. Anthony Gator left the Winnipeg Blue Bombers due to him refusing to make a position change. Clown. Oh man, that <laughs> that looks bad. Like if you're if you're a team and you're looking at him, that's oh. that's definitely not a flattering look for you, Anthony Gator. His his career's done. He's done. Yep. Way to take yeah, one for the team, for sure. my guy. Now, dude, unless <laughs> here's here's something. This is gonna sound like tinfoil hats on. Unless there's under the table money, he's done. Like unless a team was literally paying him. Like, and I mean, no offense to Anthony Gator, but if you're gonna try and pay someone under the table to leave a team and have an impact for playoffs, Anthony Gator would not have been my first choice. <laughs> so, nope. no, no offense to him, but like, really, it's, like you're telling me that's who you would have gone with? Fair like, enough. So, like, 
I, I just, he's done. Because all anybody's going to see now when they try, like, if they look at him, he's going to be the guy that left less than a week before a playoff game. Yeah, he's going to be it, the guy who banded his team right before playoffs. He's a quitter. Yep. Yeah, I'm sure someone will I mean, take him though, because he's he's a decent player. He'll end up somewhere. I mean, I'm not. XFL. I'm not mad. I'm not mad about it, but it's like I'm just like the guy made a boneheaded decision. Yeah, that's that's a stupid move, especially with today with the media. It's like people are gonna know. But on to another shady character here. Uh, <laughs> former Montreal Alouette and Red Black. Kick returner slash running back Stefan Logan has been arrested for failing to pay child support. Oof. Some very, very shady characters uh, news there this week. And oh, another sort of character. Taylor, I'm sorry this is your boy. BC Lions have released wide receiver Deron Carter. No more touchdowns in BC. <laughs> None for DC anyway. They ain't cheering on DC. <laughs> <laughs> no, no more rap songs about Mike Riley. All right, so uh, dude, he's gonna be dropping tracks about John Jennings. He's gonna be, he's gonna be making a diss track on Ed Hervey next. Watch. <laughs> oh my god. Oh man. Now, uh, according to the Calgary Sun, uh, Stampeders backup Nick Arbuckle is looking for a starting job somewhere next year. So. He probably ends up in Ottawa next year, basically, is what that means. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, to be fair, the guy has worked so hard his entire career as a backup. Like, has he been in Calgary for, like, how long has it been? It's I think been he's been there two years. This year and last year. Really? Only two years? I'm pretty sure. Just let me Dude. double check that. Because I, I knew of him last year as their backup. And this year, obviously, but... Let me just make sure. Yep, just the two years. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I take back what I said. He's but still, twenty-six. I mean, I think I think that he could definitely get it on some of the weaker teams. Yeah. Like, yeah. Actually, maybe three. He's probably on the practice roster la- uh, in twenty seventeen because, according to his wiki, he's been with the Stampeders since twenty seventeen. So. Oh. It's probably been three years there. I know they like to promote from within there, but he's not dethroning Bo. I'm sorry. Now, nah, you never know. On to another piece of off-season surprises. BC has parted ways with head coach Devon Claybrooks. Um, um, the C in BC now stands for clown. Yeah, <laughs> this was <laughs> this was. Remind me again. Was Devon Claybrooks the guy who decided to give? Eight, over eight hundred thousand to a thirty-four-year-old quarterback. Oh wait, no, that was well, Ed Hervey. Was yeah. it Devon or Devon Claybrooks who gave a right guard two hundred thousand dollars in free agency? No, that was so. Ed Hervey. And That's a fifth of your salary cap gone. Yep, to two players, and one of them's a right guard. It's not even like a. It's not a left tackle. Not a left guard. It's not a guy protecting his blind side. It's a right guard. So yeah, it, this is surprising. It should have been Ed Hervey that was tossed, especially the way that staff came together at the end of the year. Dude, I think Ed Hervey got rid of him so that way. Because if they sat there and if the, I think if the higher ups thought about it for too long, they'd be like, wait, 
and they'd realize the actual issue is so they had like he had to get he had to scapegoat uh clay brooks that's what i think well apparently uh apparently ed hervey is the kind of guy who will throw everybody under the bus to save his own skin so that's probably where this is coming from now with that firing, the BC Lions have asked to speak to former Red Blacks head coach Rick Campbell. And that's why Deron Carter got released. <laughs> Maybe. Now, we had our award show last week. As many of you know, the nominations have came out, so I want to see how accurate we were. As a staff, because going through everyone's every single that, person's picks would long. take too long. Yep. So, for... MLP, we had three votes for Fajardo, two for Vernon Adams and Banks. The nominations were, I believe it was Fajardo and Banks. So, yeah, yeah. We, we were close to right on that. I was wrong. I thought it'd be uh, Vernon Adams would be in there, but. Same here. Yeah, that that's fine. Brandon Banks had a good year, so. I'd say as a staff, we were close on that one. But defensive player, we weren't even close, so. Well, someone got robbed this year. Yeah, so. yeah. Four of us voted for Charleston Hughes in one person. Shout out to our editor, Brandon. Voted for Willie Jefferson. <laughs> and Brandon's a Bomber fan, guys. So that's like a homer pick, too. That's not even a... Oh, he, he's my, better than Charleston, least, but like, oh. At least my homer pick made sense. Yeah, but I don't know. You can't justify to me picking Willie over Charleston because Charleston... Led Willie in every single category except for two. Pressures and knockdowns. Otherwise, and Charleston is, had more stats. Well, yeah, and pressures is basically almost sacks, in my in my opinion. And, uh, I mean, the SWATs is pretty amazing, like, to set that record as a defensive end. But Charleston, at his age, is still producing better than most players, well, like, every defensive player in the CFL. So, I, I just, I don't get how... You know, he gets the most sacks again, and he's not, he's snubbed again. It just, it's ridiculous. Now, I think the East nominee for the player, Simone Lawrence, I think most of us picked yeah. him for runner up. So we were, we were pretty good on that one, too. But yeah, that, that's one of the big snobs. There's another one coming up right now. Uh, most outstanding Canadian. Five of us picked Lamar Durant, two of us picked Cameron Judge. The nominees were Cameron Judge and Henock Mwamba. Credit to us, I think a fair amount of us had Henock as the Eastern nominee, but yeah, mm-hmm. Lamar Durant, did he get snubbed? Yeah, Cameron Judge had a good year, but Lamar Durant had a hell of a year for a Canadian receiver with the yards he put up and the touchdowns and everything. I think he deserved it. Like Cameron Judge is a great Canadian player, but I think Lamar deserved it a little more. Oh, 100%, I agree with that. Yeah, I think we all kind of. I'm not going to go in depth. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm not even going to argue. I think it's like Cameron Judge. Yeah, great player. Uh, I think the media kind of suffered from a bit of recency bias with that game ceiling touchdown being kind of maybe what put him over. But yeah, I think Lamar Durant should have been most outstanding Canadian, and it shouldn't have even been close. But he didn't even get the nomination. So. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't know about that. That that's a big snob to me. Now. Moving on to offensive linemen. We had a total of three people vote for Shane Bergman of Calgary, two for Dan Clark, and two for Stanley Bryant. 
Now the nominees <laughs> were Chris Van Zyle, which a lot of us did actually pick him as the East yep. nominee, so we're good there. And Stanley Bryant. Uh, yeah, well, he just seems to be like the generic pick people go to who probably don't know the O-line. So it's like, oh yeah, pick Stanley Bryant. He's good, you know, but I think this one, the West Nome should have probably gone to Bergman or Clark just because of what Clark's been through. And Bergman's just been good all year too, but uh, no slight yeah, in Bryant. I mean, He's good I mean, too, I've, but I've, I don't know. I've said, I've said my piece on what I think like they should do for Clark and I think they should have his own thing for him because yeah what like you said what he's had to go through they sort Amazing. of do I'll stop you they sort of do they uh he's a nominee for a different award that isn't really one of the more known ones that I can't remember the name of it but it's uh a player who exemplifies kind of Canada's veterans and their qualities uh he got nominated for that and he's definitely good, winning good. that so He'll get something out of this year, but I thought he should have won most outstanding line. Yeah. Now, for That's special fair. teams, I think we're a little closer on this one. My boy. It was Nate Hawley and... Oh, wait, no, it was Mike Miller. Oh. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was Mike Miller. So Carter was the only one who got that one. And the nominee was Frankie Williams from the East. I think a fair amount of us got that one right. But... Yeah, holy crap. So yeah, Frankie Williams and Mike Miller, both of those guys had a combination of two votes added together. So one for Miller, think, one for Williams. I think, yeah, I'm just glad that Miller, like, the, you know, the, the special teams tackles, like, that side of things finally got a spotlight. Yeah. Like, sure. whether it was my team or not, like, I'm just glad that, you know, those guys are getting love. Well, I'm glad you mentioned him because he's a guy that I would have never known about uh, until, you know, you mentioned him. I didn't know who he was, so good to see that Mike Miller is getting recognized for his special teams play. Mm-hmm. Now, for most outstanding rookie, we had yeah, we had Nate Hawley and then two votes Wynicki, two votes Acklin. It's Nate Hawley and Jake Wynicki. Again, I was wrong on this one. I really thought it'd be Acklin, but they wanted to go with Wynicki, so there you go. Woo. Nate Hawley and Jake Wynicki are the nominees. Now for coach, we had four for uh, Craig Dickinson and three for Kahari Jones. No love for Orlando Steinauer here, but <laughs> I think he was a close. I think he was a close like third. Oh yeah, for, for sure. Pretty much everybody. I think everybody in the award show. We even said that if it was gonna be anybody, you know, for the third, it would be Orlando Steinauer. But we kind of knew. He was a known commodity. That's why I put Kahari there. We didn't know what he was going to be. We didn't know what Craig was going to be. But both of them were very successful with their respective teams. So, yeah, it's kind of shocking that Orlando beat him. But at the same time, it's not... I don't know. It's not surprising. But I I was hoping it would be Kahari for sure. Now, on to our game time cues for this week. We have the Eastern Final, Edmonton versus Hamilton. Our question for that is, which defense will step up in this game, Edmonton or Hamilton, do you guys think? Yeah, I think Hamilton's defense is really going to step up in this game. Um, It's in Hamilton. They always play well there. I mean, they're undefeated at home this year, so I think they're going to have a stellar game against Trevor Harris, and uh, they're going to move on to the Grey Cup. Um, I agree. I think it would be a great story if Edmonton won. 
but I don't think yeah. they will. Um, uh, yeah, I think Hamilton just, you know, they're just all around. They're, they just look so, like, complete. So, I mean, yeah, I think that on defense they'll be able to step up and limit Harris to a better extent than Montreal was able to. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I think... I think Hamilton's defense will put up a good game, but I'm going to flip the script here. I think it'll be Edmonton's defense that steps up, and I think they're going to play a little bit better. But I think maybe something else goes wrong for Edmonton, and I think they lose this one. But I definitely think Edmonton's defense will be very productive this game. Now, on to the Western Final, Winnipeg versus Saskatchewan. Will the Riders shut down Kolaros better than Calgary did? Uh, yeah, I'm. It, it's tough. Like the storylines are writing themselves already with Kolaros's return to Saskatchewan, but I think Saskatchewan's defense is going to have a good game against him, and I think he'll play well. But the defense will play better. Um, I mean, to to answer the actual like to answer. Better than Calgary? I mean, they better, or else it's gonna be a bad day to be anybody in green. Oh um, no doubt. Yeah. If you can't if you can't contain them better than Calgary at least, then whoa. But so yeah, like to answer that, absolutely. They absolutely will like be better on defense than Calgary is. Um but you know, every week it seems like Polaris gets exponentially better in between, you know, the two weeks that he played against Calgary and now he's getting another week to sort of learn the playbook just a little bit better. He said that he was still learning players' names after uh, <laughs> after the semifinal. That's great. Like, he's still getting settled in. Yeah, that's so true. I, I think he's got, I still think he's got room to improve just like, and I think we'll see that. So, don't write him off, but I do think that Saskatchewan will be a much tougher opponent for him. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it'll be a a little bit. I, I don't know. I think the Riders shut him down, but I think they also lock down Strebler, too. I think they'll have a better time shutting him down than they will Polaros, because they've had two weeks to prep, so I'm sure they've prepped a little bit already for Chris Strebler. And Dak, as a quarterback, he doesn't scare me. Like I said, he threw a couple almost interceptions against Calgary that were dropped. So... I don't think the Ryder DVs are going to drop those picks. I don't think Purifoy is going to drop you. I think the Sacks defense is going to eat that game. Alright, so on to our last segment of the show. Predictions. For me, I have Hamilton beating Edmonton. No team that's crossed over has ever made it to the Grey Cup. So I think that streak stays alive here. I think Saskatchewan in an almost sold out as of right now Mosaic Stadium beats Winnipeg and advances to the Grey Cup. How about you guys? Uh well I picked the exact same as you. I don't think Edmonton's gonna move past Hamilton. It's too tough of, of an opponent. And Saskatchewan's home to Winnipeg, so I think Saskatchewan has the edge and they take the take the game. Um I yeah, I mean, like I said before, I'd love if Edmonton won. It'd be a hell of a story, but uh, it's not going to happen. Hamilton's going to win, and I mean, if Edmonton does win, then I mean, I guess we'll all have to hold the L because we said they'd all. We all said <laughs> they'd lose round one. We all said they're going to lose in round two. 
I mean, I think if they make it to the cup, I almost have to pick them regardless. Um, but then for uh, Winnipeg at Saskatchewan, I think Winnipeg gets the upset. I really do. I think that this, I think this third place team, like I think that Winnipeg had the best chance to run the table from a third place team, probably that we've seen in a while. So I think that they can, I think that they can do it if Caleros and Strebler are able to perform. Um, just, I feel like if Caleros, you know, keeps getting that improvement, then he'll be like, he could, you know, get a little more accurate, just a couple of. Because there was one dropped pick that was, uh, there was one pick that was taken away due to penalties, so you can't really count that one against Calgary. But there was only like, I think, one or two. Yeah. Then again, I wasn't, I wasn't really, I, I was unfortunately um, doing other things at the time of the game. I actually couldn't watch. I was on my app scrolling through every five seconds, checking what it was, checking what was going on. But yeah, I saw, I saw the highlights in that. So yeah, I, I believe. <laughs> Fair enough. Now, before we get going here, I got one last question to ask. So, with Coach Mike O'Shea of Winnipeg and Jason Moss being on the hot seat, um, if both these guys lose this game, are any of them out the door? Because they both got their teams to the West and Eastern Final, respectively. But... Do you think them winning one playoff game changes, or are either of them Grey Cup or you're going home? Uh, I think if Jason Moss wins, he keeps his job. If he loses, uh, he most likely will be let go. And with Mike O'Shea, I really think it's up to him. He's uh, got no contract coming up next year. You know, the head coach job just opened up in BC. Ottawa's looking as well, and I hear he's really good friends with Pinball Clemens, so there's a couple options for him, but I don't think he'll get fired regardless of the outcome in Winnipeg. Um, yeah, like if if uh, if the if Edmonton loses by any margin, he's gone. The only way I can see Winnipeg not offering O'Shea a deal is if they get absolutely smacked in this game. Like if it's a close loss, even if it's like a decent loss then I think they'll still even offer him a contract next couple of years at least. But I mean, yeah, like, uh, like Taylor said, he could go pretty much. There's a couple of landing spots for him if he decided to uh, leave the W. But, I mean, we'll see. Yeah, for sure. I think Moss, if he loses this game, I think he's out the door because there's been problems with him forever. He's just, you watch him on the sideline and he's just so immature. He's swearing, he's throwing fits. You know, you want your head coach to be a calming presence. You look at the greats. You look at Wally Buono and John Huffnagel. Those guys were never... You know, those guys got heated at points, but they were never losing it and throwing temper tantrums on the sideline, right? And yeah. as a player, you want to look to your coach and see a calm figure. It's like, okay, we may be losing right now, but coach is still cool. You yeah. know, whereas if... It's like how people say negativeness is a cancer, right? If you see your coach freaking out, losing his crap, it's going to make you more nervous and anxious and not be able to play to your best. Yeah. So, yeah, I think Jason well, Moss like, is on his way out. But with... I've, oh, go ahead. No, 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 I'll let, I'll let you finish. Okay, but with Mike O'Shea, I think... I don't know if Winnipeg keeps him or leaves him if he loses this 
he does have a couple options if he wants to go, and we've heard that he's turned down several extensions, so it's quite possible that we see him in another city next year as well. Um, so I was just going to, I'm going to loop back to what you were saying about, um, coaches losing their cool and that I've actually had, I've had people come up to me and like, we'll talk about the bombers and all that. And they'll say like, Oh, I hate how O'Shea, it's like, we'll be down. And like, O'Shea will just sit there with like, you know, his like sort of stone expression or we'll be up and it's like social expression. I'm like, no, that's a good thing to have. Yeah. It's, you know, you're focused no matter what the score is. You're focused on what's happening. This play, this is what matters. The score that's going to change because depending on if you get this done. So don't worry about that. Just worry about now. The only real criticism I would have of O'Shea's maturity is once on um, a live mic games, he swore quite a bit. <laughs> so I don't know if he knew he was mic'd up, but he's, credit to him, he's cleaned I mean, it up since then. I so. mean, it might be, it might be like, you know, he might not be like, was it angry swearing? Was no, it, it was just, just sort of, like random. Talks. It was just like how he talks. That's how I, I took I mean, it. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, I mean, to be fair, when I'm not recording a podcast, that's how I talks. Yeah, we try to keep this podcast PG, PG 13. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just, I think O'Shea, yeah, like I said, there's no real issue with him being like that. It's just, yeah, I don't know. He He's a maybe out the door. I think if he wants to go, he'll go, but I, I don't think Jason Moss is going to be a head coach next year. Let's just say that. Yeah. Now, that concludes the show. As Taylor said at the beginning, you can find this show on YouTube, SoundCloud, or Spotify. Just search True North CFL Podcast. Our social media accounts are True North CFL Podcast as well. You can find those on Twitter and Instagram, I believe. And yeah, be sure to follow us on Twitter because we need more followers on Twitter. We're pretty good on Instagram, but our Twitter has only got like 20 followers. So come find us and follow us. We need us. help. Yeah, we do. <laughs> and yeah, I think that's pretty much it. We might have a different release date for the show just because we're into midterm seasons in university. So you might Yay. see this podcast a day earlier than normal, but obviously that's why. And it's going to be shorter, but obviously that's because there's less games to discuss. And we'll let you guys know what we're going to do in the off season after our Grey Cup show. So... Thank you all for listening. This is the True North CFL Podcast signing off.